One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Did you come ready for the word this morning? Come on. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, well, we have been in our counterculture series, and even as we're preparing the building, uh, I really feel like God wants to do a work in us. Uh, it's kind of like the children of Israel. You know, they, they went into this beautiful place, but God wasn't just after having a beautiful place. He was about having a beautiful people. And I don't mean just physically, although you're beautiful in that way. I, I really mean people that that radiate the, the goodness of God, the character of Jesus to the world around us, and uh, that is not like the world, but is a, is a counterculture to the world. So that's what we've been talking about. We were in the Beatitudes, and we're going to continue creeping our way through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so today we are honored and blessed to hear from one of my closest friends and one of our pastors Nate Sims this morning. So would y'all put your hands together and I'm going to pray for Nate and then he can, he can jump right in. So Father, we thank you for Nate. God, thank you for this incredible gift that you've blessed this church family with. God, thank you for his faithfulness. God, thank you that he serves in ways that most people will never know. But God, thank you that he is a gift to this body. Thank you, Lord, for the wisdom, the insight that you've given to him. And I pray, Lord, now as he speaks, God, I pray that you would speak through him. God, I pray that we would have open ears, open hearts, open Bibles to receive from you today. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Well, have you guys been enjoying this series? Yeah. Counterculture? I think it's been great. Um, I've just been really blessed by the words that Justin's been bringing. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing is Justin probably could have got up here and preached because <laughs> he's, he's really good. But more than that, one great thing about Justin is Justin lives the word every day. And um, I know that because we get to get in the studio together and film together. And I'm always amazed that when I hear about his schedule and all the things that he's doing, and uh, he puts together a sermon in like one day, and then he gets there, or like the day of, and then he preaches it. And you have to be living the Word, right, for that to be that way. You have to live every day. And so that's one thing that really inspires me about Justin is that he lives the Word every single day. And um, it challenges me as a person, as a friend, um, as a colleague, I guess you could say, to live the Word out more and more. And so we're starting, or we've been continuing our, our series in counterculture in the Beatitudes in Matthew. And if you have your Bibles today, um, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. Um, and uh, so just a little synopsis of what uh, we've been reading through. Here we have Jesus on the mount, and he's calling in his disciples. He's gathering him. They've climbed the mountain with him. People are starting to gather from all the different regions. You know, he's been, prior to this, he's been out preaching in different small villages and all. It's, he's creating this following, and they're all gathering on the mountain to hear what he has to say. And uh, he's in this place. He's breathing his goodness into them. So we don't have necessarily all the Pharisees and all the religious leaders that are gathering. What we have is the weak, the meek, the poor in spirit, those that are hungry for righteousness, those that are mourning and in sorrow, those that have experienced loss. And I think that this really is a picture of how we come to Jesus, right? 
It's uh, we come to him with weakness. We come to him with void in our lives. We come to him with darkness, and he begins to breathe goodness into our lives. And I, when I was reading this, I thought, man, this is just really a mirror image of what God did when he created the, the heavens and the earth. And I'm going to read for you. You can turn with, with me there if you'd like to. But I'm going to read with you Genesis 1.1 because I think it really uh, translates to everything that we're going to talk about today. And it says, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All you see and all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. And God spoke light, and light appeared. And I think that's what Jesus is doing here. He's on the mount. He's drawn in people that have been living in darkness. They've been living under the condemnation of the law. They've not been able to approach God in relationship. And so he's, he's drawing people in, and he's breathing life. He's creating life in them. And I just, again, I think it's a clear picture of what God does with us. And it's, it's in the void. It's in the lack that God can create. In our lives, you know, it's even we even think about resurrection power. You know, God was dead in the grave and it's through through the power of God that filled Jesus in the grave that he rose from the dead. Right. That's what we live in today. God's resurrection power. Similar to like when a a potter is uh, throwing, he's making a vessel. Right. He's he's got a cup or his intent is to make a plate. But where does he start? He doesn't start with a fully made, fully baked clay or plate or a cup. He starts with a glob of nothingness, right? Just dirt, mire, clay. That's where he starts. And that's where we start when we come before the Lord. And and this really encourages me in this passage um, just because God doesn't stop with just blessing, right? He doesn't stop there. That's the beginning. As God draws us in, right, it's the initial part. God draws us in, but he doesn't just stop. And I think... um, it's similar to like kind of like when, you know, I, I don't have children, but for any of you that have children, uh, you know, when, when that baby is born, the next step, you know, if you've created that child, <laughs> that child is born and there's all kinds of goodness in that child and love and, you're, you know, it's amazing, but you don't just stop. The next step isn't just to send that kid out on the streets, right? There's another phase, right? That's not the, that's not the final goal. Like, okay, you're born now. Woo! Head on out. <laughs> Time to make another one. <laughs> No, but God, there's another phase to that, right? And I think that's what we're going to look at today. You know, going back to Genesis chapter 1, when God created man, in verse 28, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and then he said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth and subdue it. So, right, there's this commissioning that takes place. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, God blesses. He brings us out of the mire. He brings us out of the void. His spirit enters us. And then there's another phase, purpose. So if you're in Matthew chapter 5, 13, uh, you can turn there. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to start at verse 13. Um, but real quick before that, you know, how many of you know that when you're, you know, commissioned to do something, Sometimes even if you're not capable of doing that thing, you know, if your boss comes to you or say when you were younger, if you were a kid, you know, you had a family member or somebody that you looked up to, say they came and said, hey, would you, you know, Nate, would you do this for me? There's something that even if in the fear of, of that moment, you feel like, I don't think I could do that. It's kind of like me preaching right now. <laughs> There's something about that commissioning that pulls you forward. 
You know, and and, and um, there was this one time when I when I was a uh, in high school. It was my junior year, and I love to tell stories about me playing basketball because it was like one of the worst times of my life. <laughs> uh, I was terrible. I never grew up playing sports or anything. I was always outdoors, fishing, you know, hiking, whatever. I just spent all my time outside. So when somebody asked me to do something like play a sports, I was like. I don't know if you want me on your team. <laughs> but I remember the first time that the coach asked me, he's like, hey, would you come and would you consider joining the high, the, you know, the high school basketball team? And I was like, me? <laughs> you want me? And uh, it was a really rough uh, couple months getting to that. They actually considered putting me on the junior high high school team or junior high team because they're like, we need to play with the younger guys first before you join the, the older guys. But no, it was... You know, in all of the rough times getting to that play or going, you know, learning to play basketball, it was kind of that commissioning, being a part of the team that pulled me forward. And um, Jesus, uh, Jesus is speaking on the mountain and he's blessed them and now he's commissioning them. So we can start reading at verse, verse 13. It says, it says, let me tell you why you're here. Now, I just got to pause for a second. To me, this feels like the question that, you know, the statement that, and I'm also reading out of the message uh, version today. So if you look at your Bibles and you're like, what is that? This doesn't say that. <laughs> but uh, I've read the other versions too, and I, I think they're pretty close. But it says, uh, let me tell you why you're here. Now, to me, this feels like the answer to the biggest question in life, right? It's like you see this in the movies. It's at the end. It's like, Right before somebody gets, gets ready to say, now, let me tell you the secret of life. And it like cuts off, right? Because it's like nobody knows the secret of life, right? It's always this mysterious thing. And what I love about this is that Jesus is about to like answer the biggest question that we all ask, right? It's the one thing that all of us have a longing for, to know our purpose, to know why we're here. Now, how many of us have ever made comments like, mm, man, I just don't know what my purpose in life is? I just feel lost. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, right? That's the real one. I'm like, all of these questions, all these things I'm reading are all things that I've said. (laughs) I don't know why I'm at this job. I can't figure out what the future holds for me. I don't know what direction to go. Man, I just don't know if I'm made for this. I just don't feel like I'm good at anything. Maybe you've walked in here today and you felt like those are some some of those statements are the things that are weighing on your heart. You know, what's my purpose, God? Why am I here? Why exist? Why did you make me? Maybe that's the thing that keeps you up at night. Well, I can tell you that you're in good company because all of us in this room, from your neighbor to your kids, all of us have asked this question at some point in our lives. Why am I here? What's my purpose? And Jesus is about to give us that answer as as we continue reading. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? If you've lost your usefulness, you will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept, and we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house and be generous with your lives. By opening up to the others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. Amen? 
How many of you know, how many of you know we could just read the word? You know, it's like, just read the, if we just read the word, we, I could just stand up here and just like read the word and we'd be like, man, God, you got it all, you got to preach. I'm, I'm, I'm reading your, your sermon here. This is your sermon on the mount, right? Man, the, the word is good. You know what I love about, what I love about this passage is that Jesus doesn't, it's what Jesus doesn't say, right? He says to be salt. He says to be light. But, you know, he doesn't say, Nate, or to any of us, you know, he's like, uh, you're going to be salt and you're going to be light by being a videographer or by being a welder or by being a preacher or by being a minister. He doesn't say those things. The purpose is worked in our lives through the gifting that God puts in us. And he's calling people in all different walks of life. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't matter the gift. The purposes of God always shine through the gifting in our life. Now, if we look at the disciples, Jesus called um, all different kinds of disciples together. He didn't just call all of the same. He, you know, Matthew, Peter, uh, James, John, all these guys were different. You know, that's, it's kind of like all of us in the room, we're all different. We all come different, different walks of life. We all have different jobs. You know, some of us have kids, some of us don't have kids. Some of us are older, some of us are younger. And I, if we look at the life of Matthew, Matthew uh, started working for the Roman Empire. He was a tax collector, you know, so obviously he had some kind of giftings of working with money. He was detailed, loyal, and something that the Roman Empire said, hey, you know, uh, we want you on our team, you know, because I see, we see that you're good with money. So here's Matthew working for the Roman Empire as a tax collector. And all of a sudden, Jesus meets Matthew, right? And he, he, he in a sense, he like breathes his goodness into him. And then he gives him purpose. And out of that purpose, working through Matthew's gifting, God all of a sudden, I mean, we're able to read this passage because Matthew wrote it, right? It's he became salt and light to the earth, not because just focusing on the gifting. You know, if Matthew had just focused on the gift, he probably still would have been working for the Roman Empire. But the truth is, it was the purpose of God working through that gifting in his life. So Jesus is calling people from all walks of life. If we look at the life of Peter, Peter wasn't just a good fisherman. Peter was a good gatherer, right? He, he knew how to gather fish. He knew how to gather people together, right? And so when Jesus meets Peter, he's like, mm, we got a good gatherer in the room. I want to use this guy, right? And then all of a sudden, he goes from being a simple fisherman or gatherer, and God's purpose comes into his life, right? And out of that, out of that, the, the, the church is established, as Peter preaches, all of a sudden, what happens? People gather. 3,000 people in one day all of a sudden come to know the Lord because the purpose of God is working through his gifting. And my feeling is that, you know, if we put all the emphasis on what we can do, we miss out on what God wants to do through us each day. And it, it perpetually puts us in this place of feeling lost because life's always changing. Right. The seasons are always changing in life. You know, you have a, a kid, you have a, I mean, the difference between having children and not having children is significant. All the all the people with children, you know, say amen. I remember the time when I was younger and there was no children. We stayed up late watching movies every night, you know, you know, or having a job or the time when you're you're 15 versus the time when you're 35 or the time when you're 65. The seasons are always changing. But the purposes of God. The purpose of God working through your life and working through your gifting never changes, you know, despite the season. You know, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Daniel. 
And in, this, in, the, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, there's a story about Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Now, these are um, kind of a synopsis of this story. These are three young Jewish men that started off in Israel, and the Babylonian siege came in and took over Israel. And they took all the young gifted men, they took them because they were gifted, and they took them to Babylon, right? Now, this, this is not where these boys ended, in, intended to be in life, right? You know, so these, these were the brightest, the best, the best physically fit, the smartest, the wisest. Babylon comes in, they say, you know what? We want all of the best and the most gifted, and we're going to take them and we're going to put them in um, a place where they never intended to be. We want them to worship gods they've never wanted to worship. You know, we're going to teach them things they never intended to, teach, to learn. But he's, they're taking all the gifted and they're putting them in this place. And, you know, I'm sure this is not where these boys intended to be in life. They had dreams, families, traditions, people that they loved. And they had to leave all of that behind because of their gifting, right? And so here we have these three men. And they're in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar has set up this golden idol, and he's expecting everybody to worship the idol. And he says, all of you, you know, that serve me, you will bow down to this idol. So everybody starts bowing down except Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And um, he says, anybody that doesn't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the furnace. And this is their reply. I think this is really good for us during this season. It says, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire... The God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else that you cook up. But even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. O king, we still serve, we will still will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. You see, the purpose, they were in a place because of their gifting. But it didn't look like a favorable spot, right? How many of you know that, you know, you can be in a workplace because of a gifting, and it doesn't really look like a favorable spot for you. And there can be some oppression in there. You can be in a lot of situations in life because of who you are, who God's made you to be, but those aren't necessarily always favorable places for us. But the purpose of God was still shining through them, even at that moment. Through Meshach, Shadrach, and this purpose of God to be salt, to be light, to acknowledge God, right? So they get thrown in the furnace, you know, Jesus shows up, rescues them, and then what happens, right? The whole kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar says, everybody's going to bow down to the God of the Israelites, right? Because at that moment, God shows up in their life, but they knew that he may not because it was about them acknowledging in their hearts, hey, we're under the sovereignty and control of God. No matter what happens, he, you know, we're, he, has, he has the final say in our lives. And it was they, out of their mouths, declared the glory of God. Through their, you know, the gifting put them in that place, but it was the purpose that came out. You, you following me? It's good? <clears throat> maybe in this season, you know, some of us have felt loss. You know, maybe um, through COVID, through situations in life, you felt like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Like there's been some loss. You've been hauled off to Babylon because, you know, you've lost family members or there's situations you're like, I just don't. This doesn't seem like I'm where I'm supposed to be, you know. Maybe your past has felt like a wrecking ball to your future. That's a real thing, right? The disciples even experienced that when they met Jesus. Maybe you felt beat up or contained or constrained by your work. Maybe you feel like illness has stripped you from anything that you have to offer. 
Well, I just want to encourage you today to not give up. Whatever your loss, whatever you've been through, it doesn't remove your reason for living. It doesn't remove your purpose in life, your true purpose. Amen? The real testimony of our lives is that God can use weak, sinful, broken people that have lack in every way and bring hope, light, and life to a dying world. Amen? So what are three ways we can demonstrate this? How do we demonstrate the purposes of God? Um, Well, actually, I think there's a lot of ways, but I'm going to give you three ways. (laughs) I think there's a lot of ways that God uses our giftings, and I can't say, you know, all of them in in this time, but God uses our giftings in different ways to to, uh, bring his purposes uh, to light in this earth. And so uh, the first one I have is demonstration through genuineness. And some of you are scratching your head and saying, you know, Nate, I mean, we just read the scripture. I didn't see anything about genuineness in there. I heard some godliness. And to that, I would say, yes, godliness. Because what's inside of us will shine through, right? If we fully allow the truth to settle in our lives, the, you know, despite the gifting, despite the season, it'll always be a gateway to carry uh, other people to Jesus, to seeing Jesus. But there has to be what's inside has to come out. Right. There has to be this genuineness, you know, just like I was talking about Justin, you know, Justin lives the word every day. So when he gets he can at any moment get up and preach because the word is constantly coming in and out of him. Right. It's that genuineness. When you meet Justin, he's genuine. He's genuine to the word. He's genuine to truth. The truth of God has settled in his life. And I always like to say, you know, people are like toothpaste. Right? Have you heard this analogy before? You know, when the pressure's on, whatever's inside comes out. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like we're like toothpaste tubes, you know. And so there has to be this genuine work of the power of God in our lives. And I was thinking, you know, there's, you know, there's no substitute for the pure light of the sun. Can you imagine how much power it would take humans to recreate the sun itself? Like, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a scientist or anything, but I don't think we have enough matter on Earth to actually, like, recreate the sun. Um, We have, like, UV lamps and fluorescent light bulbs, and we have plant lamps and stuff like that. But truly, the light of the sun extends, you know, if you were on the other side of the universe, you'd still be able to see it, all right? And there's nothing that we can create on our own that 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 can be that. There's no denying its power. And we live 93 million miles away from the sun, and if most of the people in this room step outside for more than five minutes, you know, with your shirt off, you're going to get sunburned, right? <laughs> or arrested. That's right. And I believe God is asking us today, do we look like the sun? Do we look like the sun? When people get to know you, when you're going through trials, when you're going through temptations, when you're going through frustrations in life, what's coming out? Do we look like the sun? Is godliness pouring out of us? Because the world is really, honestly, in this hour and time, the world is really looking for truth. They're not work- looking for any religious religion at all. They're not looking for any, you know, anything like that. What they're looking for is they want to know, is this Jesus that you serve, is he real? Is he real? In a way, you know, when, when people meet us, when people see us, it's almost like God wants them to get sunburned. You know what I mean? He wants, he wants when, people to, when people come around you, he wants the power of God to be just radiating off of us. 
That's the genuine work of God in our lives. That's his, that's his power working in his life. Now, that sounds kind of like way up here, like, oh, the power of God. But that translates into to some real practical things for us, right? It translates into some real everyday living things. Like, if you're married, how do you demonstrate uh, the power of God? How do you demonstrate God in your marriage? How do you live godly? How does, how does godliness, looking like God, how does that come out? Well, forgiveness, love, respect, living submitted to one another, faithful to one another, right? That's the power of God working through this. And as, as people see that, you, know, as we, you can turn on the, the TV at any point, any, any point, TMZ, they'll tell you about all the people that are not faithful to one another, right? If you're single, you're called to be holy and pure. That's it. And no, not completely yet, but that's, that, that's part of it. You're called to be holy and pure before the Lord. If you have kids, you're called to lead them, raise them in a godly way. Lead them towards the Lord. If it's in your, jo- in your job, serve, bless, extend grace, forgiveness, truth. If it's in friendships, show care, kindness, value, concern. These are all ways that the power of God is shining through us, right? That when people get close to us, they say, man, you're different. I, don't know, I feel some, something different about you. You don't react the way the rest of the world reacts. The rest of the world, you know, it's like, you know, everybody at, at our job is like crazy. They're all like backstabbing one another. They're all trying to get ahead, but there's something different about you. Well, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I know so-and-so was talking behind your back, and like somehow you seem to be okay with it, or you forgive them, and that just isn't, that's not right. You know what I mean? Or in our families, it's like, man, I just feel like when I come into your home, like there's God here, there's peace here. You know what I mean? That's how we demonstrate the power of God, the godliness working through our, through our lives. And Jesus demonstrated all of these things for us. It's not, you know, he's the, he's the best example. The word is the best example of what it looks like to live a godly life. Jesus demonstrated all of these for us. Number two, you ready? So number one, genuineness. Number two, demonstration through inspiration. Now, um, I, don't, I don't know how many of you guys love sunsets or sunrises. I think I just end up seeing a lot more sunsets in my life than I do sunrises. <laughs> but uh, I'm always dragging Steph outside of the house. I think I annoy her sometimes. She'll be in the middle of work. I'm like, you got to come see this sunset. You know, it's like <laughs> pull her outside. And it's like by the time you get outside, it's like already starting to diminish. Or you're like, oh, we missed it. But I don't know. I'm always inspired by creation. It always... It, blows my mind really like what god has created it's it's inspiring to me when i to look at a sunset and you're like yeah we could probably understand how that works but to understand its purpose and why it was created and how it was created it's it's unbelievable to me right you guys feel that way man the worth the earth is amazing and the unknown brings us awe in our lives ever ask the question like you see something on social media facebook or something like that and you some crazy guy, like, you know, flipping on a motorcycle or something. Maybe those are the things I look at or whatever. <laughs> and he's, like, flying through the air, and it's never been done. Or the Olympics, you know, you see a person running faster or swimming farther. I mean, I've been swimming more lately. And when I watched a little bit of the Olympics and I saw, the most amazing thing to me was, like, the choreographed uh, team swimming thing. I don't even remember what it's called. But seeing them all, like, to music, and they're out there for, like, five minutes going up and down and twirling, I'm like, I can barely stay afloat for like 50 meters. <laughs> These guys are like unbelievable. They're like dancing. 
You know, it's like you see you see people and you're like, whoa, this is like, and people are amazing. You know, um, I think it's just as easy as it is for um, the extraordinary to cause in, or to give us inspiration. You know, the unknown of life to also give us fear. You know, the fact that we live on a giant spinning rock filled with lava hurling through space and there's an atmosphere over it that we can breathe is absolutely amazing. Is it not? I mean, it's, it's impossible. Really, it's like, oh, the whole solar system is in balance and we're all rotating around the sun. It's like, in, at any moment, we could all be like dead, right? <laughs> but, but, yet, but yet, we're consumed so much in all of that. We're still consumed so much with what tomorrow brings and, and feeling like, oh, is any moment things are going to get out of control. But have they gotten out of control? Has anything been a surprise to God over, these, over all of these thousands of years? And he's the one that created it. So I think just as much as the unknown can cause us inspiration, it can cause us fear. And we have to step, stop letting the unknown of tomorrow bring us fear, but rather bring reverent fear of who God is and what he can do in our lives. The known is this, that God cares for us and that he's our provider. Amen? And I think of all the things that can carry us through the low times of life, the valleys, the hardships. Um, there's, something, there's something just about like looking at God's creation and just being inspired by who he is and his greatness. Right? I remember going back to the sunset theme. Steph and I were like, you know, this was a few weeks ago. We were laying on the couches and we were all like half alive because we were sick. You know, and there, you know, the, the blinds were turned a little bit. And there, you know, gleaming through, the, you know, we hadn't been out of the house in like two weeks. You know, we were just feeling terrible and pathetic. And <laughs> there, the light of the sunset shines through the blinds, right? And it's like, in that moment, it was like this, like, this kind of like this inspiration. And no matter how bad it is, there's still, God is still working. He's still moving. He's still in control. Just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it's like, I'm saying, you know what? All of this is amazing. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm trusting God. And it doesn't matter uh, what, you know, this world thinks. I'm not going to live by fear. I'm going to live by the word of God, by truth in my life. Amen. I'm not going to give in to fear and bow down to things that I shouldn't bow down to. You know, fear specifically, right? That anything that I do, I'm going to do because I honor God and because I trust him. You know what that does? It brings a lightness into our lives. In a sense, you know, we live light on our feet. That's light, right? <laughs> it's another version of light. But we're living light on our feet because this world is pretty, I mean, how many, how many of you know? I mean, we're, we're up here, we're praying for some of the things that are happening in this world because they're heavy. We got wars, we got rumors of wars, we got earthquakes, we got storms. I mean, if we were to read the, the word today, we'd be like, oh, these are the birth pains. Something's coming. Something big's coming, Right? And it can create fear in us. It can create intimidation. But when we live with the peace of God in our lives, when we live light on our feet, that, the world takes notice of that because the world is consumed by controlling the variables of life. Every day, I saw this prudential commercial. I think it was yesterday. During, it's like an eight-year-old child, and they hold up the shield, and there's prudential rock on it. You know what, they're th you know what they were saying? They were like, trust in us. Will be the rock that carries you through the, the hard times or something like that. The unknowns of life, that's what they said, right? And so even the world knows that the unknowns can cause us fear. 
But when we live with the peace and the anxiety of God, they're, they're marketing it. They're marketing it. But when we, when we live with that peace of God, it's like we're, in a sense, we're like marketing, we're marketing truth, right? Like, hey, man, you know, I don't know what tomorrow brings. We really don't. We really don't know what tomorrow brings. But what we do know is that God is in control and that it's out of our hands, you know, and that brings peace to, to our lives. And that, that is uh, um, a word for our, our nation. That's a word for our state. That's a word for our community, to your neighbors, that God's in control. And I'm not really, I'm not diminishing hardships. You know, we're going to get into that a little bit in the next point. But when we, we can let fear and problems overshadow us to the point that it regularly defines our purpose. And we start making decisions in our life based on fear rather than truth. Rather than the purpose of God, it's like I'm starting, you know, we start moving from job to job or place to place because of fear rather than has the truth of God, has the purpose of God settled in our lives. Amen. So number three, demonstration through shareability. Now, on my iPad, it says I've misspelled this word, but (laughs) so I thought I was creating it. But if you look it up online, it's an actual word. Shareability. I think it's an internet technical term or something. But, you know, you can be the most godly, inspired, genuine person that anyone has ever met, and you're still going to go through the grinder of life. True? Yeah. Every, all of us can say that. You know, it's like it, there are seasons when we are, face hardship. All of us. Many of us are in that now. Many of us have family members in that now. Many of us know people that are in a season of hardship. But, you know, what I like to think is that when we go through trials, when we go through the grinder, God is making us shareable to the world. Life is going to take us through the grinder sometimes, and God always uses these moments to make us shareable to the world around us. I remember this one time, um, Steph, I think she was baking something. This is like a couple years ago. <laughs> she was baking. She's a really good baker, by the way, So because she follows the instructions exact. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of like the wild creative cook. <laughs> and so we both make good things, but um, when we both try to do each other's giftings, it doesn't necessarily turn out right. But Steph is a great baker because she can, I mean, when she makes something, it ends up being exactly like what looks like on the box. I'm like, how did you do that? Mine tastes good, but it doesn't look anything like that. Um, but we were, she was baking something and we were out of salt. So I had to go to the grocery store to buy some salt. So I'm picking up other things, you know, and I'm pushing the car along. I get to the spice aisle and there, um, I just grab a box of salt. I just saw salt on it. So I just grabbed the box of salt thinking, you know, all salt is the same. So I grab this salt, I get home, we open it up and it's not just salt. It's like rock salt, you know, it's, (laughs) it's like giant chunks of like rock, you know, (laughs) And uh, so we, over time, you know, I had to go back and get other salt because we, <laughs> we didn't have a grinder or anything like that to use. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a perfect example or picture oftentimes for how God wants to, you know, make us shareable to the world around us. He takes us through those moments. You know, we start off hard, crusty, you know, unusable. And if we stay there, we just stay hidden on the shelf in the box you know, and we don't, we don't allow God in those seasons of hardship. We don't look, him and look at him and say, man, I'm, I'm expecting God. Great things to happen because I know in this season of hardship, you're going to do something wonderful, right? And that's, that's the point when God makes us shareable. We, we start off hard and closed into ourselves. 
but he wants to take us and make us shareable to the world. And I believe that in all of our lives, there's someone at the other end of your table, at the other end of your life, and they're wanting to know, can someone please pass me the salt? Can someone please remind me of who Jesus is? Can somebody please remind me of who, of his faithfulness? Can somebody please remind me of my identity, of my purpose? You know, and so don't take those moments in life and just say, well, God must have just rejected me. I'm out. You know, those are moments when God is trying to use you. It's in the lack. It's in the pressure. It's in those moments of trial and temptation that God is making us usable to the world. Right? Again, if we look back at the life of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they could have said in that moment, well, we're here. Uh, God must have rejected us. You know, we're not good for anything. The only reason that we're here is just because, you know, we're the least of the least. But it was God who took that moment in their lives of pressure. He took that moment where they, their gifting may have seemed like it led them down the wrong path. Like, what, am, what are we doing here? I wish I'd never studied that. I wish I'd never gone to that job. I wish I'd never done those things. And it's God's taking that moment. And in the pressure, in the grinder of life, they're faced with the decision. And God uses them to acknowledge his glory before an entire kingdom. Right? That's the grinder moment. And we're all there sometimes. Um, Kendall, you can come back up. And I believe that God wants to take the little bit that we have, the lack. He wants to take the little bit of rock-hard salt that we have, and he wants to make it, and he wants us to bless others. He wants us to be salt to this world. He wants us to be light to this world. He wants, he wants to use the gifting that you have. He wants, to, he wants to use that as a pathway to people's hearts. You know, again, if we just focus simply on just the gift, if we let ourselves be defined by the gift, we miss the purpose of what God's trying to use us for. You know, what does it say back in Matthew? It says, let me tell you why you're here. It's not for that job. It's not just for that family. It's not just for that person. It's not just for that situation. It's so that you can be salt in that job. It's so you can be light in that family. It's so that you can lead your neighborhood to Jesus. You can tell them when everything is collapsing around you, you can tell your neighbor, hey, do you know about Jesus? Do you know about his goodness? Do you know that he loves you? Do you know that, you know that he cares for you? That he's got a purpose for your life, right? That's what God, we can all stand. That's where God's calling us. And I want to encourage you again one more time. Don't let the gifting define you. Don't let it stop right there with just your job or just your family or just the dream that's in your heart. God wants to use you in that place, in that grinder moment, in that trial to be a true light to the people around you. That's why you're here. If you've come in today and you're wondering, why am I here? Why am I here? It's to be a light. Why am I here on this earth? This giant spinning rock being hurled through space filled with lava. <laughs> I'm here to be a light. I'm here to be salt. I'm here to acknowledge God's glory. I'm here to acknowledge his kingship. I'm here to acknowledge who he is. And God wants to use all of us. We're all different. We all have different purposes. Or not, or we all have different giftings, different details to our life. 
but God wants to use every detail and every gift for his glory. Amen. We're going to worship and we're going to sing, but in this moment, can we just, you know, lift our hands and pray? Can we just say, Lord, strip away all of the misconceived ideas about who we are. Lord, take away all of that stuff. Lord, we just come out of this shell. Lord, all the things that we think make us who we are, trying to identify with other people, worrying about other people and what they're doing, worrying about other people's giftings and jobs, worrying about whether or not we're making it, having anxiety about life and what, what tomorrow holds. Lord, we just we commit to you right now. We're going to stop comparing ourselves to the world and start opening up our hearts to you. Jesus, we just lift you up as the center of our hearts. We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up as the center of our purpose. Our purpose is to be a reflection of the sun. Our purpose is to be salt to a dying world, to remind people of your faithfulness, to remind people of your purpose in their lives, to remind people of your goodness, to remind people of your love, that you truly love them. You truly love them. So we lay down, Jesus, right now. We lay down all the ideas that we're supposed to be something. We're supposed to be something like this world. No, we're just supposed to be salt. We're just supposed to be light. We're just supposed to look like you. God, we just give you all the praise and all the honor today. We lift you up. Let's just worship today for a moment and just give God our hearts, acknowledge him, honor him.